1: Hi, I'm Abby Cox, I'm Utah's First Lady, and we are really excited today to introduce a dear friend of mine, Andrea DeMille. She is the podcast host of The Wake Up Stories. She appeared on Good Things Utah, uh, the morning show, and she's an incredible business owner. She studies in diversity and inclusion. She also has a degree in community and health services. She was appointed by the governor uh, to work on the equity and opportunity commission for Utah. And frankly, she is just an incredible person. She ha- is the mother of five boys and she's my friend and she's here today. Let's get proximate. Welcome back to First Lady and Friends, and we are so happy to have my dear friend, we haven't been friends long, but (laughs) my dear friend, Andrea DeMille. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I am thrilled to have you here. Um, So I just want to give a little background. We met during when we were campaigning, Mm -hmm. um, and we'll kind of get into that, but I I want you to just kind of give me your background, uh, just a little bit about yourself, where you grew up. Tell us. Tell our millions of listeners <laughs> who you are. Hey,
2: hey, y'all. I'm Andrea. So I am a Georgia Peach through and through. I've been raised in Georgia my whole life, despite the fact that my dad was active duty army. He served in the Gulf War. Um, we were fortunate enough just to be stationed in one place for quite a while. And then I went to college. I played collegiate softball and um, the South, got went to the World Series a couple times and Later went on to have a couple babies and (laughs) a couple. Yeah. I know there's like five of them now. (laughs) Five beautiful Uh, boys. Yeah. Five beautiful, crazy boys. God knew I should be a maker of men. We'll just leave it at that.
1: (laughs) I love that so much.
2: Yeah. So, um, but we've been in Utah now almost four years. I think we just ended our fourth winter Mm. and I love it out here. It, It, it spoke to us. It wasn't something that I chose. Um, at the time we were living, my, my husband was active duty army. He got out of the army. We'd moved down to Georgia to Atlanta and he was working for Medtronic, one of the largest medical device selling companies in the world when he was just about to get stationed to a territory in Oklahoma. We were house hunting in Oklahoma, saying goodbye to our friends in the South. And all of a sudden they completely tr- cut his program and he was laid off for the second time in a year. Wow. So all of a sudden there we were and I was pregnant with my now fifth kid and we had no home and no job and Mm -hmm. um, we're just kind of floundering in the wind, floundering, whatever that word is. Um, And so I remember driving from middle of nowhere, Georgia, I was down visiting my grandma um when i got the news and my husband was working in la when they cut the program so i remember driving up to atlanta picking him up and i said hey so i mean we, we're kind of homeless right now literally nothing but the bags in our car and you've mentioned utah a lot so we can go anywhere in the world you just want to go to utah Wow. <laughs> um needless to say, we drove up to Chicago, saw family for a couple of weeks because they let us stay with them very graciously. And we just started making our way, hotel hopping out west uh, until we we ended up in Eden for the summer to kind of get our bearings. We rented this place house to house or like a month to month condo,
1: mm-hmm.
2: kind of get our bearings. And then we decided, OK, Let's
1: just start our own business in Utah and put down roots, and here we are. <laughs> wow! So, so your husband—what was the draw to the the connection he had with Utah?
2: Yeah. So, I I would say honestly, inspiration. Like mm-hmm. the good Lord above. There's no other explanation for it. Um, Dave went to school in Idaho, and he loved just out being out west. And he would always say. You know, it's a great place to raise kids. You're going to love it. It's beautiful. And I'd be like, no, no, no. And (laughs) for all of uh, First Lady Abby's listeners, I'm a woman of color. And so I was like, there are no black people out there now. (laughs) (laughs) I am not going to Utah. Um,
1: But And for the record, Dave is not of (laughs) color. (laughs) Yes, Dave is white.
2: He is, I call him a Yankee. My Southern folk might say differently, but he's from Chicago he's from yeah. Illinois or I guess Midwesterner technically yeah. I don't know I never yeah. took geography <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's yeah. all the same it, on the other side of the Mississippi right? for
2: us <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I he just would bring it up over the last few years prior to coming out here, and to be honest, um, when he was working for Medtronic, we really could have worked anywhere as long as we were near an international airport because he was traveling three weeks out of the out of the month and only oh, wow. home. Yeah, he was only home one weekend a month. Really, oh my it was it was crazy. And with five boys, hence why that last baby came, because that's all we would do on the weekend. (laughs) Yay! Yeah, we're glad. We're We're, glad for that. We're happy for that caboose. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So we could really live anywhere. And Dave had brought up Utah, Atlanta and Tennessee. And we just fly by the seat of our parents and we literally took all three cities folded them up, put them in a hat, and we just drew out. No kidding. Yeah. Oh my word. <laughs> we happened to draw at Atlanta, and that's how we ended up in Atlanta. And so it's like Utah was always kind of in the background that I just kept ignoring, like, now. Now, no, now, no. <laughs> but I'm happy we're here. I love it. I will never leave. You put, oh, I'm on I record. Love, I'm not leaving. I love to hear that. I love to hear that.
1: Oh my gosh. Well, I know. And you've, you've taken, your kids have taken to skiing. Yes. Have you, have you skied before you were no. here? No. Well, once
2: when I was just out of college, I did in Durango. I okay. I used to be a teacher. I don't know if you know that. I was a teacher. I taught elementary school. I did not know yeah, that. In Gallup, New Mexico, when right out of college. And um, and so I would I went up there and skied and did some whitewater rafting and stuff like that. Uh, but when we came, that was that was one of my non-negotiables. I told my husband, if we are going to live in Utah, we will be those people who experience Utah. We will ski. We will hike. We will camp. We will everything. <laughs> and we have all these boys. We're doing all of that. I've seen all the (laughs) pictures and boating. You guys do a ton of boating. We do a lot of boating because we're right there by Pine View. Yeah. It's just 20 minute drive and we're on the water. It's so
1: nice. That's so amazing. Yeah. Well, so let's let's talk a little bit about how you and I met. Absolutely. We on the tour. Yeah. Um uh, we have a mutual friend who is also one of the first lady and friends friends <laughs> uh Shelly Smith. Yes. And so she she kinda put that together. So tell me what were what were your impressions? <laughs> do I dare ask? You know,
2: um well I, I try not to have any expectations. I know I didn't really know that you guys were doing this city to city campaigning. I wasn't paying much attention to politics in the primaries because I'm an independent. I'm registered as an independent voter. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't going to vote in the primaries anyway. Right. And, um, I, but I had put this video out shortly after the murder of George Floyd last year, which mm-hmm. we we're actually we're coming up on his anniversary, yes. about w- what it's like raising black boys in America mm-hmm. and some of those conversations that I have to have with them just because of the color of their skin to keep them safe. Right, and it kind of went viral. My standards of viral. I mean, it's got over twenty thousand views. Yeah, and. Um, so Shelley mentioned that she had showed it to you guys and, and brought mm-hmm. it up and she's like, you know, Lieutenant Governor Cox would love to come talk to you. I was like, Oh, Oh, the lieutenant <laughs> governor wants to. Okay, okay. You know? So um, I had no idea that now Lieutenant Governor Henderson would be with them, or that you would be with them. Honestly, I thought it was just going to be him. And we were um, we were actually spending time at the lake at Pine View. That's right. Your yeah. kiddos were still up there. My I think. kiddos were at the lake. I left them over there with my husband and ran home to chat with you guys. I was like. In the bathroom, I'm like, there's probably going to be cameras. Maybe I should put some makeup on, you know? You know when you're at the lake, no one cares, right? Yes. No, no makeup, messy yeah. hair. And um, so when the campaign bus pulled up, it kind of got real. And I was like, okay, you know? like <laughs> And I really was just more curious. I didn't have an expectation. I was curious to see really what you guys wanted to talk about, like mm-hmm. what you wanted to hear specifically. Um, so it was nice that... Your husband just created this safe space, really all of you, even, you know, Lieutenant Governor Henderson, this safe space to be vulnerable mm-hmm. um, and really talk about what it's like being a new native to Utah, um, what it's like being a person of color in Utah, and some of those personal experiences that I've gone through, um, some discrimination, some not, some ignorance, mm-hmm. and even even the religious difference, you know, um, with the predominant faith here, and you know how that has impacted our family, and I mean, thankfully, I understand the culture because I was raised that way. I just choose not to raise my family that way. <laughs> yes, um, yeah. so at least I had the the knowledge of yeah of yeah. it because some people come in not knowing and they just are really taken aback, and I yeah. can see how that can be crazy. But I, so I didn't have any expectation other than it was just this beautiful, vulnerable conversation, and I. I probably would cry right now thinking about, like, I could feel the tears guys.
1: Well, I, <laughs> we, we, yeah. that was such a moment for, I think, all of us just sat yes. there and kind of cried. Just could, cried
2: and connected. Yeah. And here we are in the middle of this pandemic and we're not supposed to be in the same room, but we, we spread it out really well. We did. We, we had sp- our mask on. We had our mask on. We spread out really well. Thankfully, I have a big living room that we could all keep more than six feet apart. But just that vulnerability and being real. And I, I just remember, like, you guys physically leaning in and the thing that I loved the bet the most was that there was no ulterior motive or agenda. And a mm-hmm. lot of people said like, well, what does he want? Well, you remember this? Well, right. Cause he's a politician, yeah, right? Yeah. He can't, yes. He's campaigning obviously, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but that's not what it was about. It mm-hmm. was not about his agenda. It was literally about getting to know me and hearing my experiences to help create a better state. And I remember um, I think you guys were already walking out the door and I came back to Governor Cox and I said, This was awesome. He's like, Yeah, thank you. And and he, he did the two handshake and <laughs> and and I said, What do I even call you? Like I don't even <laughs> You're the lieutenant what? You know? And he looked me in the eye with the most sincere tone and said, You will call me Spencer. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, okay. And I remember because in that we all just became instant friends it wasn't it wasn't he's a politician it was we are mothers we are fathers we are humans having this very real humanistic connection and that's all it was and yes it was this instant friendship and so grateful to Shelly for bringing us together
1: I I agree we had it was by the end of that day I was emotionally just spent because it was such a A beautiful moment for us. And and again, hearing your story to me, you know, and we'll we'll get more into this Mm -hmm. about uh, empathy and this idea of our stories connecting us. Yeah. Um, I just think is is super beautiful. And so I I want to get more into that. I want to talk a little bit about more about your specific experiences um, that, that you shared with us that day, but also Absolutely. things that have, have happened since. Um, so we will be right back.
0: Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten.
1: We are back with my dear friend, Andrea DeMille, and, um, we're talking about this idea of empathy. Um, you and I have had conversations about this. Again, that initial conversation, I think was the perfect example mm-hmm. of, of you being vulnerable enough to share your story with us. Yeah. And, um, it was f- for our benefit mm-hmm. to, to really learn. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many times I have talked about that conversation. Aww. To seriously, yeah. like to so many people, I will say, look, no, this I mean, all my white friends yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm gonna say, no, look, this is what this is what I've been told. This is this was her experience. Right. This isn't anything, you know, crazy. Anecdotal. This, y- y- yes, this yeah. is just a story that connected us and helped me. To see through someone else's eyes for a minute, Mm -hmm. um, a little bit of something that I have never experienced, and I think you know we talked about this idea of empathy being—it's a way for us to see something through somebody else's eyes and listen to somebody's experiences even though they're not ours. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so I love that. So tell me a little bit about sort of your experiences. You did a little bit talking about um, growing up in Georgia yeah, and in the South. I mean, the South, uh, it's different. It is. We lived in the <laughs> South for three years yeah. and um, there, there are some differences. There's some, it's beautiful. It's yeah. wonderful. There's some wonderful things. Mm-hmm. But tell us a little bit about um, your time growing up in Georgia.
2: Yeah. So it what's funny is Georgia and Utah do have a lot in common because of the religious culture, you know? So in Georgia, it's, it's the Bible belt. There's a lot, a lot of Christians and Baptists, Mm -hmm. you know, the Southern Baptists run through and through. Um, so generally you get people with kind hearts. I, I honestly believe most people have good intentions and kind hearts, but, um, you know, there's times that I've been discriminated against, um, as a child, you know, being in the, like I said, my grandma lives in Podunk Nowhere. Yeah. I'll give it a shout out. Edison, Georgia. <laughs> There's no stoplight. Is it smaller <laughs> than Fairview? Um, we have, we have I'm like 1,200. It might be about the same, okay. maybe 1,100 yeah. to 1,000. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. literally no stoplight, one gas station, one grocery store. Yep. Yeah. we don't even have That's- a
1: grocery store, so that you you got that. Okay, one on then us. we've got you guys beat. <laughs> yeah, because
2: I'm like the corner store. Yeah, store. yeah. Oh, the store.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, for us it's it's Walkers. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> um,
2: <clears throat> so we would be down there visiting my grandmother, and you know, white adults and white kids would call us inwards, and mm-hmm. you would hear other. Um, I like to refer to. Group of people down there is inner city country, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, so there's some inner city country people who would fire back and call them crackers, and it it was crazy. This was really the first time that I started to experience it because I went to a predominantly, again, my dad was army, so yeah. it, I, I grew up around a lot of diversity. But then once I was late elementary, I went to a predominantly white school, okay. and okay. then when I was in junior high, that was about 60 40 white to black, so okay. it started to become. A little bit more mixed, but also that's because the NAACP came to Muskogee County and sued to integrate the schools again.
0: Wow.
2: And so we're talking 90s um, that I was in junior high and late 90s, early 2000s. And because there was this clear divide of, quote unquote, the right or wrong side of the track.
1: Yeah. And yeah. they
2: were like, oh, no, no, we all need to have a blended mix. And so it, it became very prevalent at a young age um, that there's this racial divide amongst mm-hmm. people, despite the fact that things were starting to change right. um, and, and interracial relationships were just trying to become normalized, you yeah. know, around that time. Like, if you go back to that Wesley Snipes movie, Jungle Fever, right? Uh-huh, yeah. Or White Man Can't Jump, you see on in and, and pop culture that... That was kind of the era. And I I remember in my neighborhood, if you were white, you went to one high school. And if you were black, you went to another high school. So it had nothing to do with geographics. It had to do with your race. And -hmm. they would bus kids from the south side of Columbus up to the north side to integrate the schools so that there would be. And so a lot of my schoolmates would live 30, 40 minutes away, just which is crazy, Yeah, um, just for the integration. And so. Um, like I said, I was raised military. My husband now was white. My first husband was black. We have a blended family. Our first two, the first one is technically my nephew, but I'm raising him. Then I have my biological kid. He's black. And then we have three little mixed babies. We have the whole gamut. So I like, I like to tell people we have um, two baby mamas and three baby daddies. <laughs> Very 2020 family. Indeed. Yes,
1: indeed. I love it. I love it.
2: Um, and so that, that was some of the, the experiences. It, it was sometimes subtle, sometimes blatant, you know, hair discrimination, you know, mm-hmm. people touching your hair without asking or putting pencils, you know, throwing throwing things at it um, is what kind of things that would happen and being asked, you know, does your skin burn? Sometimes it was literally curiosity, but sometimes you could tell there was an ulterior motive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, I have skin just like you. Doesn't yours get darker? You know, don't yeah. you burn? You know, yeah. um, you know, do you wash your hair? D- yeah. Do you? <laughs> like well how soap and wa- shampoo and conditioner <laughs> don't you use shampoo and condi- like that's what we use on dogs you yeah, know yeah. like dogs have shampoo and conditioner <laughs> you, know? like, you and I are more alike than that dog that we, you own we
1: all <laughs> wash our hair right yeah
2: um you know and then as I married my husband we would get looks you know I've had people we've been called jungle fever in New York City of all places oh of all places uh you would think in that melting pot yeah that yeah. you wouldn't get some of the and that was kind of more blatant racism you yeah. could tell it wasn't a joking it was a intent kind of yeah. tone yeah. um but uh, and then i also remember getting discriminated against just because of my religion like i said I was raised lds and i was in college and there was a group of christian girls and i was thinking oh this would be great to live with them and you know keep some good standards and Maybe I won't sleep with boys, you know, kind of thing. Because they they had some serious rules, right? I'm like this will be good for me yeah. if I if and they wouldn't let me move in with them because they said that since I was LDS, I wasn't Christian. Wow.
1: And I'm like, wow,
2: oh, because that's what Jesus would do, right? Right, right. Jesus would totally <laughs> not push <laughs> away, yeah, 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 push away someone. You're not the
1: right kind of Christian,
2: yeah. <laughs> um. So, wow. but then once I came to Utah, I. What's crazy is it became more prevalent. Mm-hmm. Um, some some were just ignorant terms of, I, I was referred colored by multiple people at networking events to mm-hmm. my face. I was It was insinuated that I lived in an inner city. We were talking about how to market different people and they're like, oh, well, you live in an inner city. You, you know the inner city, right? And they pointed to me and I'm like, you think just because I'm black, I know that... First of all, I was raised in the suburbs, okay? I don't know anything about the city. That is such a rude <laughs> assumption, you know? Yes. I think You might know more about the city than I do. Don't yeah. you live in Salt Lake? Because yes. I live up in, like, you know, the suburbs of Ogden, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um,
2: but things like that. So in that instance,
1: I think it was a little bit more ignorance, even mm-hmm. though it can be hurtful. Um, well, <clears> do you think, like, in Utah... I don't know. I'm just reflecting on my own experience, because yeah. obviously I lived... I mean, the only people of color that we had in San Pete were mm-hmm. either um, our Latino folks yeah. that, that were there. Um, and there's, there's, you know, more of more, you know, obviously it's very, very, very white. Yeah. But, but there's a
2: heavier Hispanic population. There is. In the state of Utah than there is even black.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for
2: sure. I think we're like, I, I think I'll, it's 33 percent ish. Or thirty between thirty three and thirty one, I think.
1: Okay, yeah, you probably know more that, than I do. That's what it yeah. was last year. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So there was there was more, but the only black people that we knew yeah. were usually you know there was like one or two right, and they were usually someone that had adopted adopted yeah. yeah, and that's really the only experience. And I remember, so I I would say there's a lot of ignorance right because. The only thing that we were exposed to was media. Right. And I do think that's a
2: big part of the problem. Um, yeah. I'm currently working on a book and I was writing about that today, how the history of America and the media influence has impacted that stereotypical idea of black people in America, mm-hmm. even back to the crack pandemic when two out of three crack users were white, but that's not what we saw on TV when it came to the war on drugs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All you saw was black and brown people in chains every night. And the, the, the crack mamas having crack babies, they only showed the black people, not the white people. Yeah. and, and, they became targeted. I mean, mm-hmm. from 1988 to 1994, <clears throat> from 1998 to 1994, you see in LA County, they didn't arrest one, or sorry, charge. Mm-hmm. They didn't charge one white person with a federal crack crime or, or sorry, drug related crime from 88 to 94. How insane is that to not? And so you can tell that these, and, and, and in, these, these, people of color being marginalized and then you that's all you see on tv and people start to think oh all black people do drugs all black people you know are are on crack and you know and of course drug-ridden areas lead to crime and so i do think the media the news movies you know Mm -hmm. you've had Mm -hmm. you'll have white directors telling black actors how to act black you know you know pull your pants down a little more hold your crotch like this lean a little to the left you know what i mean and it's like Creating this stereotype. I mean yeah. it goes back further than that, but we don't even have time to get into it. Right, right. You know, but yeah, there's <laughs> yeah. it's it's what you see on TV. And so I would say um, some of my interactions in Utah um, have been literal ignorant because they just don't know any better and they haven't had that life experience to learn mm-hmm. from other people of color. But then there's also some just straight up blatant racism Mm -hmm. um, and bias, you know, and this is one of the stories that I shared with you that that I'd love to share right now is I am I was shopping for family photos last summer at this department store, and I had our oldest with us. And um, you know, there's no buggies in department stores. It's a national chain,
0: and, and, by, and
1: by buggies she means shopping carts because <laughs> buggies is a, a southern word. Thank you, Abby. <laughs> I'll just interpret your your southern lingo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I always forget about that. There's a cultural difference. <laughs> I just love it. I, I remember the first time we were in this, and they were called a buggy. was like, a buggy. What? What
2: now? (laughs) Well, it's funny because when I came out here, I was like, "Can I have a buggy?" And they're like, "What? A cart?" I'm like, "What's a cart?" Can I have a buggy? (laughs) You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that is so funny. Tomato, tomato. But (laughs) yeah, Um, and. So we had an arm full of clothes. We literally bought clothes for the whole... So for a family of seven. And then I was running low on makeup. So I run to the makeup section and we're grabbing makeup. And he's trying to convince me that that he wants his ears pierced. He's about to enter his senior year. (laughs) And so I just asked the woman at the makeup counter, like, hey, can I check out here? And she's like, of course. So we check out with everything at the makeup counter. And because I know that... Black and brown people are stopped and accused of theft more than often. I always walk out the store with the receipt in my hand. And so we grab our bags and you can see the makeup counter from the door. We grab our bags, I grab the receipt in hand and we get ready to walk out to the door when I lock eyes with a colleague um, and client and I was like, oh, hey, and she says, hey, and, you know, we'd been to Yellowstone together in their cabin. So she knows, you know, Nate, and Nate opens the door for us because I don't play that. You better (laughs) open a door for all women.
1: (laughs) Yes,
2: Southern Mama does not play. So So Nate opens a door for us, and we walk out side by side. And she did have one of the only—they don't have buggies, but sometimes they'll give you, like, a big basket. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, during the pandemic, everyone was— was fixing up their home. So I could, I could tell there was a bunch of like linen and blankets and pillows and all kinds of stuff. So they had given her one of probably the only two or three. I have buggies in the store. And so she's walking out with that. And we literally walk out together and the alarms go off. So I stop because I know the deal. And, um, side note to this story. So many of my white friends have told me since hearing this, that they never stop; They just keep walking. And I'm like, are you crazy? What? No, (laughs) Oh, and then here's me. Oh, that's your privilege to keep walking. I do not have that
1: privilege. I do have to say I always stop kind of in a panic like Do you? What did I, what did I do?
2: Yeah, I've so many friends that keep and I know you've seen it, right? When people yeah. walk through and it and they just keep going. Oh yeah, yeah. I was like,
1: I yeah, for me I'm like, Oh I I kinda of panic, like, here, take my I don't, yeah. know,
2: I don't know what happened. Yeah. So we all stop and there's a woman at the door who wanted to check the receipt. So I hand her the receipt and the lady at the makeup counter physically waves at her, like, let them go. They're fine. I just checked them out. Well, she pulls me back into the store and my friend who walked out side by side was just standing there. Like, are they going to check me? She's kind of waiting and she's giving me this very puzzled look and Nate in she's, talk Nate's talking to her now about his ears pierced and I'm just kind of looking at the woman who literally starts going through our bag pulling everything out item by item going sight like down the line yeah. it was embarrassing it was humiliating I know she's probably just doing her job um but I do think that bias had something to do with it and I'll get yeah. to that in just a second so the woman from the makeup counter comes over and she tells the lady at the door who's going through all of our stuff like listen I just checked them out like they're they're fine. Like it's fine. So they start to put everything back in our bags. And though my friend who walked out with us is still kind of physically in limbo, like moving left and right, like, do I go? Do I stay? Are they going to check me? They never checked her. They never checked her. And the power in this story for me is because the only difference between myself and my colleague, aside from literally a few years in age, is that she's white. And we were black and Nate is like six, six, one, you know, so you've got this tall black kid with a lot of hair. I have dreads and, um, we're dressed similarly. I have my receipt in hand and I'm in no way, no way insinuating that my girlfriend, you know, stole something, but I'm just saying it's more than likely they forgot to take off a security thing. They didn't even check her. Right. 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 It's more than likely a pillow, a blanket, something has the thing on it because they're easy to walk out with. And but they never checked her. And so the power in that story is, OK, if we're all seen as equals and there's no bias and discrimination or racism, then why wasn't she checked? Yeah. We both should have been checked or we both should have been able to, like, you know, walk through. Yeah. And because of that experience, I refuse to shop at that establishment. I refuse to give the name of that establishment and give life to it. Yeah. Um Because these things happen all the time. And in that moment, here we are perpetuating the stereotype. Mm. All the patrons who walk by are watching two black people getting, you know, getting all their stuff gone through insinuating that we've stolen something further insinuating or uh, planting into their subconscious minds that bias, you know, that racism. And, and I've even had a colleague in the industry. He didn't say it to my face. He said it to a friend of mine. Um, Literally call me a dirty Alabama Mm N-word. So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And this was after you and I, this was uh, probably a couple months after you and I had spoken. Yeah. So there's all kinds of, you know, my kids have been told that they have worms for hair because they're growing their dreads. Um, They've been called black trash, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and... So, this is all right here in this beautiful state. This is not some anecdotal story that you read in a book, although it is in my book <laughs> I did. I did will put, be, yes. yeah, well that
1: story will be in my book yes. um but this is very real this is yeah. this is real life well and and when you shared that story with us again that as I'm having conversation with with people friends of mine, mm-hmm. every you know family members. That was the most poignant part to me. And I, I said to them, you know, I have never thought about, I've never had to think about um, this idea of keeping a receipt. You, you right. said it's second nature to you. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, the they say, do you want your receipt in the back or with you? And I'm right. like, oh, throw it in the back. back, throw it in the back. You yeah. know, I've never thought, well, I better keep it because somebody might stop me. I have mm-hmm. never had that thought in my life. Yeah and so i i to me that was that was super powerful yeah um and really important again for for us to share we we are um I'm just, this has been so fun. Oh, yeah. And, and I, Absolutely. and I want to, before we go, I just want to do a little bit of a rapid fire. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's have it. Okay. So just kind of quick, and then, and then I want you to talk a little bit more about your podcast sure. at, at the end before we, before we wrap up. But, um, so tell me this best thing about Utah. Oh, no humidity. Oh, <laughs> and snow. Love I it. I do have to say, with my, um, <laughs> Curly, like I have natural curly hair and the South was not good. Yeah, no. It was not good for yeah. my hair. Yeah, so it will frizz. The humidity, I just kind of have to let it go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, no humidity is pretty good.
2: Dry, <laughs> d- is a dry heat. Yes, <laughs> I love the dry heat and the snow. I think it's a tie. <laughs> I do. I,
1: I actually love to ski too. So I love seeing your pictures with mm-hmm. your boys. Skiing oh, we'll have to go open. up this year. Oh, I this would love season. it. Yeah. I would love it. So uh, favorite mom moment. Uh, we we, should, I, I, we talked earlier <laughs> off mic about like sometimes it's hard to remember one. It is. It is. Um,
2: I don't know if I can wrap it into one. I would just say as a whole, I love watching the growth of my kids mm-hmm. when they have an epiphany and they finally get it.
1: Yeah.
0: And
2: they just, you know, they get that sparkle in their eye. Yeah. Um, I really, really love that. And I love that they love my cooking when it... <laughs> That is kind of lovely. Well, but here's the thing. You know, on Mother's Day when they, well, in our house, my husband will say, boys, everybody go around and say one thing that you love about mom. All they say is, oh, I love that she makes me cookies. Oh, I love that she makes me Swedish pancakes. Oh, I love that she makes jambalaya. And I'm like, all y'all love is that I cook, you know? But then I'm like, you know what? That's how I show my love. Yeah. And if they feel it and can,
1: you know. That's how a Southern mama (laughs) shows her love. Absolutely. No, I love that. I have one. My oldest son is... I just lo- he's in school now, and when he comes home, I'm like, oh, I love it so much. He loves everything I cook, and he's such a good eater. And <laughs> yeah. the others are like, oh my God, I'm, I'm a pretty good cook. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I love that. Um, so, if you could tell your white friends anything, what would it be?
2: Um, considering all the racial tension in the country right now, it would be be brave enough. Mm-hmm to ask questions coming from a place of love coming from a place of empathy and understanding and be willing to have the uncomfortable conversations about race right now you know i i feel like race has become the new it's so taboo Mm -hmm. and and people shy away from it but you know we don't shy away from talking to our kids about not talking to strangers. Yeah. We don't shy. Well, some people do, but we shouldn't, <laughs> we shouldn't shy away from talking to our kids about sex. Yeah. Right. And getting them prepared so that if they do choose to do it, you're safe and right to protect them. And I feel the same with race. We should be talking about racism with our children. Yeah. That, that would be the, the biggest thing. It is very important. It's not enough to just say, oh, I teach my kids to be kind and love. It's not enough. Mm-hmm. If we really, really want to be kind and see each other with empathy and love. We have to be willing to talk about racism um, just like you would anything else. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and I think that would be probably the biggest thing so that everybody can get the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I would have loved to have had the benefit of the doubt when I walked
1: out that department store with my yeah. white counter, my white girlfriend. Yeah. You know. Yep. Yeah. No, I love that. Okay. So this is when I love to ask a snapshot of an ordinary moment that gives you true joy. Oh, hands down, snuggling
2: my kids on the couch and yes. watching movies. <laughs> we light our fireplace all year, even mm. when it's hot. We light the fireplace, and on on lazy days, we'll do movie marathons. And we'll have this isn't random, really. We we do at least once a month. We will just have popcorn and peanut butter M Ms and um, cookies, and we just snuggle with the fire on and watch movies. Hands down. Oh my gosh, I love that so much! Mm.
1: Um, so, tell me about your podcast. So, you have a po- you're you're writing a book, yes. You're you're in the middle of that. Yep. So, tell me about that, and then let's talk about your podcast.
2: Yeah, so it's all centered around um, the power of storytelling and connection to help people wake up to unconscious bias. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is literally to be able to give people the benefit of the doubt. So the book goes through a series of personal stories that I've gone through backed by historical facts. Um, that show you that these things really do happen, and it's not just some made-up movie. And the podcast, same. Um, so, if any of you listeners out there want to come on and share your story, I would love it. It's called Wake Up Stories. I've been doing a lot of consulting and speaking. I'm so excited this summer. I will be sharing a stage with uh, Martin Luther King Jr. the third.
1: Oh my yeah, gosh!
2: Yeah, in Canada. Um, so, doing a lot of speaking and training for unconscious bias just to help create more unity. And so on the podcast, The Wake Up Stories, uh, we have all of our guests come on and share their stories of how they have experienced bias or if they have woken up to their own bias and become an advocate for other people just to create more unity and give people the
1: benefit of the doubt. Oh, my gosh. I love that. And the one thing that I did not say, which I should have, I neglected to talk about was you're an incredible entrepreneur. Oh, yeah. You have your own business, a very I successful business. You. Tell me just like briefly, let's, I don't want to, I don't want to lose the opportunity for you to share your okay. incredible story about your, your company. Yeah.
2: So I own a real estate photography company. So we provide beautiful photos for realtors, for listings. Um, we cover from Logan down to Provo over into, um, Park City as well. So that's my first business that yeah, we grind, hustled, got it off the ground and now it's on autopilot. It's an it's a it's a nice residual <laughs> income now. I love that. Um, and so that. And it gives me more time to focus on my calling, which is the public speaking, my podcast, bringing people together, creating unity, you know, through the power of storytelling, public speaking and training. So you guys can find me at the wakeupstories.com. And I'm on
1: Instagram at Andrea underscore D. Oh my gosh! Thank you for for saying those. Um, that will save me the time at the end. <laughs> but, um, Andrea, you again. Every time we connect, it's nothing but positive, and um, just feel so much gratitude Absolutely. for you. Same for you teaching me Aww. and being and being patient yeah. um, with as as we learn and and try to grow and try to be better The I love the Maya Angelou when we know better we, we do, do better, better absolutely and so that's yeah. kind of my mantra here too is Amen. to make sure that we we are doing better once we know better so um, yes. thank you so much thanks for having uh, me it's been a blast <laughs> you bet thanks bye guys